Well, it's Proverbs chapter 3. It's not a conventional Mother's Day passage, but it's a very appropriate Mother's Day passage. It's one of the most difficult things, I think, for any of us to, to, to learn or to put into practice is the concept of trust. It's something that is hard to, to obtain and it's easy to lose. I remember growing up and my, my parents would give me instructions and they would lay out, hey, you need to trust me here. And, and I'm listening to everything that they're saying and it's kind of the old adage of, I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth because what you're saying makes absolutely no sense to me. It sounds crazy. And my parents are acknowledging, like, I know it sounds crazy. But trust me, I have your best interest in mind. Those, those words kind of still ring true. And we start to realize that trust is a powerful thing. It's something that we begin to learn and, and to experience from our, our very first days on this earth. What do we, we do when we, we come out of the womb? Hopefully, Lord willing, what do we do? We cry. <laughs> and as we're a young child, we, we, we cry when we need something, don't we? We're, we're, we cry and we're crying, wanting someone, trusting that someone is going to come and fill that need, whether it's for food, whether it's for comfort, whether, whether it's just to be burped. <laughs> like we're, we're crying because we have a need. And when a parent comes and takes care of that need, what does that begin to build? And trust. Now, that's all being developed before the big truths begin to come into play, Right? You know those big life lessons that come as you get older and your parents are saying, trust me here? Well, Lord willing that they're building that trust and learning and earning the ability for you to trust them through all the things that they have set forth earlier in life say, you can trust me. Now for some, that's not the case because what about the, the baby who cries and no one comes? The baby who seeks love and all they receive is abuse. It doesn't form trust, that forms distrust. It, it sets up barriers to trust. And so then when those, those, those life lessons come along, then it's that spot of, I don't know if I can believe what you're saying. And when we get right down to it, there, there's, there's very few things that someone can say that I think are, are more dishonoring or even more offensive than, I don't trust you. Now, there are times where it's appropriate not to have trust. I mean, there's a reason that you want to, if you're going to turn your, your child over to a, a children's ministry or drop them off at school or do those type of things, you want to have trust that they are going to be taken care of. There's, there needs to be a trust factor there. You want to have trust with your surgeon if you're going into surgery, right? You don't want to know that he just slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night. You want to know that he has the ability to do what he or she is, is about to perform. You trust that your pilot knows how to fly the plane. It's an important thing to, to have trust. But there's times when people lose our trust. People break our trust. And those are understandable not to have trust in those issues. But where it's not understandable to, to not have trust it is with, with God. Like why would we ever not trust God? But if we're all being honest here this morning, the area of trust is an issue that each and every single one of us deal with. And we all, in one way, shape, or form, struggle with our ability to trust God. If we say, no, 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 that's not me, then let's, let's let the text do the speaking. Let's let the text be the microscope here. 
But you, you may very well say, yeah, that is me right now. Maybe you're in one of those seasons right now where you're just being honest, even on this Mother's Day, saying, hey, I'm having a hard time trusting. This is a difficult season for me and my family. Well, if this is you or if it's not you, you will be in a season of trust issues in the future. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. And we're just going to pause there, stop there as we make our way through Proverbs chapter 3. And I want us to look back and notice how Proverbs 3 starts. Look back in your Bibles, look at the very first verse there. It says, my son, do not forsake my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Do you feel the parental plea that is coming here? The words of a father to a son? Like he's taught, he's instructed, and now he's saying, don't forget. <laughs> don't, don't forget these. Why the urgency? Why the emphasis here on not forgetting? Because they want things to go well for their child. These parents, they want things to go well for their child. And they know that all that they can do as parents is teach and to pray. Two very important things, no doubt. We want to teach and, and we want to pray. And we want to keep teaching and we want to keep praying even when we don't have the influence as much to teach. We want to keep praying and praying and praying. But what we cannot do as parents is the one thing that we really, really want to do. We want to make our children remember. We want them to remember these important truths. But we can't make them remember. Now, we can impart wisdom here and to the best of our ability help to teach these things, but we cannot make it stick here in the heart. Now, you take today's text, for, for example, as, the, as it applies to each and every one of us, and you just think about how it, it comes across. We're going to look at three specific points. We could have looked at a whole lot more, but you look at three. And you hear these commands being given from a father to a son, but more importantly, from God to us. And listen to them here. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. 
Now, you're gonna, we're going to go through these quickly, and then you're going to see them back and remain on the screen throughout our time here together. But you hear the command, trust the Lord with all your heart. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. You hear these commands given, trust, honor, do not despise. And now we just need to stop and think about how are you receiving, how are you processing these instructions? Because when I, when I, I read this, it's, it's trust me, honor me, do, do not despise my discipline, at least on a surface level here. A lot of it depends on what we're bringing to the table, what context, what presuppositions, what understanding of the one giving these texts to do, do these, these commands do we, we have. But we're probably not in our flesh reading this on a surface level, drive by fast right here in this moment saying, trust the Lord with all your heart, honor the Lord with all your wealth, do not despise the Lord's discipline. We're not probably receiving this as, as loving commands as they're intended to be. As the Lord said, remember these in your heart as they're going to make way, a good way for, for your life. But what we want is for them to impact us here. We don't want them to just come from our minds of like, I know these are the way I'm supposed to live. We want it to permeate from within us of like, this is how I know that I am supposed to live. Even when I don't understand it, it's coming from within. And so look with me starting in verse 13. The emphasis here is on the treasure of wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. What we have being spoken of here is wisdom. And wisdom is being compared to what? a great treasure. Immediately my mind in, in, in listening to this and reading this and studying this went straight to the parable of the treasure in the field, Matthew 13, 44. It's a one little short, one verse parable. You can write it down, go look at it later. This is the, compares the kingdom of God as like a treasure hidden in the field. The man finds the, the treasure, he finds it, and then he covers it up. And then he goes and he sells everything he has so he can come back and he can buy the field. Just think about that for a moment. You go out and you find a treasure in a field. And you're like, oh, I found the treasure. And you know that this treasure is like the treasure of all treasures. So what do you do? You cover it up because you can't take it with you here. It's on this field. It's not even yours here. So you cover it up. And then what do you do? You go sell absolutely everything you have. House, bank account, all, everything. I'm, I'm putting it all in here. I'm giving it all. Why? To, to, to buy the field. Why? Because you want the field? No. Because you want the treasure in the field. You want the treasure. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Wisdom the Lord is telling us over and over and over and over again, wisdom is the treasure. And then we look at verse 18. She, again referring to wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. 
Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Okay. Here's where we want to slow down, look at the text, and we want to see what's right before us here. What sounds familiar in those first few words there? And think Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 familiar. The tree of life. In fact, do, do me this. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Like close your Bibles, keep your finger there in Proverbs so you don't lose that one. And go all the way open up to, to Genesis chapter 2 beginning in verse 9. Because a lot of times when we think about Genesis and trees, we're thinking about only one tree. But look at, read here. And out of the, verse 9, and out of the, guard, or the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So how many trees are given a name in the garden? Two, right? We've got two trees given a name. We've got the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life was the way of obedience, trusting and obeying God. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the way of disobedience, not trusting the, the way of God. And what did Adam and Eve do? They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They did not trust God. And as a result, they were cut off from the tree of life. So here's what they did. Keeping the text and Proverbs in play. They failed to trust the Lord with all their heart. They failed to honor him in their ways. They despised the discipline, the instruction of the Lord. Everything that we're told to do in our text today, they failed. They failed. And they faced the consequences for doing so. And I don't know about you, but right here, we, we come to a point of gospel emphasis where the, the question that should be resonating in our minds as believers is, okay, how can this wrong be made right? <laughs> How is this wrong made right? How is Genesis 3.16? Where's the serpent crusher going to come from to make all things new? And this is where I'm tempted as a pastor. This is where I'm tempted as a Christian to kind of force the gospel implication in here, right? And we say it all the time, and it's true, that, that Jesus lived the life that we were supposed to live. And he died the death that we deserve to die in order to give us a hope and a future that we do not deserve to have. So where Adam and Eve failed... Jesus triumphed, right? All of that is true. But if we jump straight to the gospel application there, we're going to miss the gospel application that is right before us in this text. So what I'm wanting to do today is help you learn to study the Bible for yourself in this as well, to see these treasures unfold right before you. So here, look with me in verses 19 and 20, okay? Look in verses 19 and 20 here in Proverbs chapter 3. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Okay, again, that's taking us back to Genesis, right? But not only to Genesis. Hopefully what's coming into our mind are the truths of the New Testament. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. John chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right there in the, in the New Testament. We're going to start John 1, 1. 
And what we see there in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word here, church? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And then look at verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. Now, beginning here is not talking about in in a point in time in the sense of it is talking about a point in time in terms of creation, but Jesus goes beyond, before creation. Like there never was a time that he was not. Why? Why? Verse 1, the word was God. And God is infinite in his existence. He has never not existed. He has always existed. Just let that resonate with you for a moment. There is never a time when God was not. And there was never a time with Jesus as the Son of God was not. He has always existed. And then verse 3, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay. Now we're starting to understand Proverbs chapter 3 verse 19. Because look at verse 19 again there before us in Proverbs. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. The Lord by Jesus. The word Wisdom in the flesh founded the earth. But we're not done yet. Now flip over in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Now turn to Colossians chapter 1 beginning in verse 15. To one of the most Christocentric, Christ-exalting, Christ-glorifying passages in all of Scripture. As what we have here in Colossians chapter 1. is saying he... And he here is referring to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. Some things? No, 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 no. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. And why, church? For him. All things were created through him and for him. Let that sink in for a moment. Because what we have coming next is like the greatest resume in the history of humanity, right? Like if that's not enough already, look at what we have here. And he, he being Christ, is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Just the good things, right? Just the things that are going well, things that make sense, the things that we can understand, those are the things that are being held together, right? No, 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 no. All things hold together in Christ. And he, he is the head of the body, the church. No, no, no pastor, no man. Christ is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross church this is 
before the foundations of the world stuff right here. Before the foundations of the world. Why? Because Jesus is the wisdom of God. This is why here in Colossians, he too is called the treasure of all wisdom and knowledge. Because he's the source. He's the source. He's the one holding all things together by the word of his power, as Hebrews 1.3 tells us. And nothing, nothing says, trust me, I've got this. Like these words here, for by him all things were created and in him all things hold together. That's screaming out from the words of scripture, trust me, I've got this. Things are dark, things are gloomy, things don't make sense. Trust me, I've got this. Now turn back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18. And then we look at the tree of life. And yes, Adam and Eve, they failed to trust. They failed to honor. They despised the Lord's discipline. They sinned against creator God in all of these ways. And so have we. So have we. We have failed to trust and we have failed to honor and we have despised his discipline and instruction. Why? It comes back to trust. We have failed to trust. But then we have to ask ourselves the question, what's not to trust? What's not to trust? What has God ever done to say that he cannot be trusted? Nothing. Nothing. Yes, there are seasons of darkness in in our lives. There will be times when we will all say, I don't understand. I don't understand. We will have times when the pain is so deep and the sorrow is so great and we'll have so many questions and and our understanding, verse 5, is saying, how could a loving God allow this? How? It makes no sense. And it doesn't to our understanding. It doesn't make sense to our understanding at all. That's why we're told in verse 5, do not lean on your own understanding. Do what instead? Trust the Lord with all of your heart. But how? How? By letting truths like these that we find throughout the text wash over our weary souls. Understanding here, yes, but also here. Understanding that's resonating, trusting through him. He has reconciled all things. All things, again, meaning all things. Things that make sense and things that don't make sense and absolutely at all, whether on earth or in heaven, he has made peace. How? By the blood of his cross. He's made peace. Reconciliation has taken place. We can't let this sink in. Don't, don't gloss over it. What happened at the cross? God crushed his own son. Jesus drank the full cup of God's wrath. Did he do that because he deserved it? No. No. Why did he do that? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. It's not that he loves you because you loved him, loved. No. That that's not he loves you because you obey him, love. No. No, it's while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, love. 
while we were still at our very worst, dead in our sin, Christ died for us. That's love. And when we understand that, not just here, but here, permeating from our soul, and saying, okay, no matter what I'm going through, I can trust him. I can trust him. And when we're resonating, when we're listening here, and we're trusting here, it changes how we hear. Trust me. Honor me. Do not despise my discipline. Because we're trusting and we're knowing, okay, he really does have my best interest in mind. And beyond that, he has his best interest in mind, which is to this his supreme glory. So now we return to our three points. And we listen to them in a totally different context. Understanding that this loving God desires for his children to eat from the tree of life forever and ever and ever and ever. And thus he says, okay, this is how you shall live. You believe in me? Yes. This is what that looks like. Lived out. Okay? Number one, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And God's like, I know you don't understand. I know it makes no sense. And you're going to find yourself asking, why, 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 why? At the same time, he's saying, trust me. Trust me. Don't trust me blindly. But trust me because I've given you every reason to trust me. I have proven myself over and over and over and over again that I am a trustworthy God. And when we have that here, church, when it is here, then we can sing with confidence exuding from our hearts. Even when tears are streaming down our face, we can sing songs like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Darkness everywhere. Uncertainty everywhere. And you're singing these truths. Where's that coming from? Not just here, but it's coming from here. It's a trust-filled declaration that's saying, he's got this. I, I don't know how, but he's got this. But you don't have to go through darkness. And you don't have to go through uncertainty to know that if you're trusting the Lord or not. We face in our every, everyday walks of life. And you want to know if you're trusting the Lord with all of your heart in the normal day-to-day -day of your life? Well, 
we look no further than point number two. Honor the Lord with your wealth. See, last week we looked at the extravagant grace and how it can reveal legalism in our hearts. Extravagant grace revealed the legalism in the heart of the prodigal son's brother. He never thought himself to be a legalist until he was face to face with extravagant grace. And what the call to honor the Lord with our wealth does is it can quickly reveal our lack of trust in God. Someone asks, hey, do you trust the Lord with all of your heart? And we're like, yeah, man, I do. I trust the Lord with all of my heart. Then honor the Lord with your wealth. Give him of the first fruits of your produce, of your labor. Uh, what do you mean by first fruits? Ooh. It's a question of how much are we talking about here? How much trust do you want me to put out there? We look in the Old Testament. The Old Testament principle here would have been a tithe of 10%. In all actuality, if they counted up everything that they were required to give, it's coming up closer to somewhere around 20%. And at this point in time, people were like, oh, 20% here? Well, and that's where we come back and say that that's under the law, but now we're under grace. And people are like, whew, I like grace. Grace is a whole lot better than the law, and I would agree. Grace is way, 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 way better than the, the law. But we need to ask ourselves, what does first fruits mean for us? And I believe that the New Testament teaching is to give generously, to give sacrificially from our first fruits, from the gross of our income. Now, we're going to talk about this more in another sermon, but we give out of a response to God's grace. We go back and we let the truths of the gospel permeate our souls. And we're not giving with, oh, that makes sense, and that makes sense. We're, we're giving in a response to God's grace from the heart. We're not coming with our leftovers and say, okay, I've paid all these bills, I've done all this, and okay, I, can, I have this much left over to, to give. That's not first fruits. First fruits is a, is a sacrifice. But by first fruits, we're acknowledging that it's all his to begin with. Without him, we would have absolutely nothing. Our giving is in actuality a sign of our trust. It's a sign of our love. God is our treasure, not our wealth. We're not giving as, okay, I can part with that. We're giving and it hurts, but it's a matter of trust. So now, even within our Western world, we will see this and say that giving is, for many, would be more than, than 10%. For some, maybe not. But the call to honor the Lord with our wealth, best way that I can kind of describe this and kind of a, a vivid picture is kind of like a black light in a hotel room. It's not a pretty picture, is it? It's quite disgusting when we think about it. None of us would ever want to take a black light into a hotel room. We would not stay in the hotel room no matter not how nice the hotel. But we bring a black light into our own hearts and say, honor the Lord with your wealth. And it starts going to show Jeremy's greedy here. And Jeremy doesn't trust over here. And Jeremy is covetous and idolatrous over here and here and here and here. It just permeates all, all throughout, revealing some nasty stuff about my heart, showing us where we put our trust in what we value. So this is a principle that for Leslie and I, what we, we did before we even said I did, 
We, we, we talked through and all these things that married couples are supposed to talk to about before we get married. And we said, okay, for, for us in our home, we're, we're going to commit from the very beginning. We're going to give a starting point of 10%. And if we're able to give more, we're going to continue to, to give more. But 10% will be our starting point, not by law, not because we have to, but, but, uh, but by principle. It's a constant reminder to us that all we have is a gift from God. Every single thing that we have is a gift from God. And we have to trust him in every aspect of our life. And I'm going to be honest, there's been seasons where it's been very, very difficult. When I was working a commission-based job, and I didn't know what was coming in the next month, like some months, like $1,000 was it for an entire month. Like $100 out of 1000 <laughs> that, that That's sacrifice. But what the Lord was teaching me through all of this was, was trust me with all of your heart. Trust me with all of your heart, Jeremy. I'm going to take care of you. Just trust me here. And we look back upon our life, and he has. This isn't a health and wealth gospel thing. Like, okay, we give so we can get blessings. No, no, no. We haven't, we haven't been blessed in the ways that my flesh would want to be blessed. <laughs> There's times Jeremy wants a whole lot of this and a whole lot of that. And God has said, you know what, Jeremy, I'm going to put food on the table and I'm going to give you a roof over your head. And that's more than you deserve. And throughout our entire married life and through ups and downs that we've had, we've always had food on the table and a roof over our head. And the Lord has provided which brings us to, to number three. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. And here's where we, we don't need to automatically equate discipline with, with punishment here. It could be, but it's not always. It may be a, a season of suffering that's brought on by no fault of your own. Or it may be a, a simple word of correction. Maybe it's from a stranger. Maybe it's from a friend. But either way, it's a means of God use, that is using to mature us in wisdom. It is an act of love to make us and conform us into his image. Like, why do we as parents, why do we discipline our children? Because we love them. Don't go play on the road. Why? Because we don't want them to get hit by a car. It's a means of wisdom. We want them to grow and to mature and to be able to make wise decisions themselves. That's what Hebrews 12 teaches us about God's discipline for his children. I mean, check this. He wants us. We just read Proverbs chapter 3 and you look at all the blessings here, the ifs and, and the thens. He wants us to live long, happy lives. He wants us to have peace and favor and good success. It doesn't mean like the health and wealth gospel, have your best life now. That's not what this is talking about. But he does want us to be happy. And so he gives us wisdom to walk by. You want to have a longer life? Well, then take care of your body. <laughs> Eat well exercise. You want to live longer? Don't go jump off a bridge, right? Like don't, don't run out into the middle of a highway. Don't drive down the road at 120 miles an hour. Like use wisdom. You want to have a healthy marriage? Spend time with your spouse. Get to know your spouse. Don't cheat on your spouse. We're going to have like a whole section on coming up in Proverbs 5 through 7, which we're going to condense into one. You want to be successful in business? Absolutely, right? Work hard. Work. Go out, labor. Use the skills that God has given you. Make yourself available. Want to experience real happiness? Yes, we all do. Then treasure Jesus above all else. 
saying the world's going to offer you happiness in all kinds of ways. But Jesus said, do you want to be really happy? Do you want to know joy? Know wisdom. Know Christ. But in order to truly be wise, in order to truly be wise, we have to see, receive correction. We have to receive discipline. Because without correction and without discipline, without the instruction, what do we do? We go down our own path. We lean on our own understanding. We eat from the forbidden tree. That's what we do. Our own understanding is to follow exactly after Adam and Eve. And we will eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We will eat from the forbidden tree. And we will forsake the tree of life. That's our sin nature in play. And God is saying, trust me, don't do that. Trust me with all of your heart. Follow me. Lean not on your own understanding and eat from the tree of life for forevermore. And there are going to be times, there are going to be times in your life and you say, I'm trusting God. I'm honoring. I'm not despising. You've been the hardest working employee Hardest working employee, and yet you're the one who gets laid off. You've taken care of your body. You've eaten right. You've exercised right. You've done all these things. And the doctor walks in with horrible news. <laughs> like you've been a faithful spouse. You've done all. You've been faithful and above and beyond. And yet he or she walks out the door. Once again, the Lord is saying, trust me. Trust me. I know this doesn't make sense. But for those, all things are working for good for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. And all things means all things. Doesn't make sense to our understanding. Why would God do that? But God's saying through it all, I got this. I've got this. Why should we trust him in those moments? Because he's proven over and over and over and over again that he's a God who can be trusted. He's a God who can be trusted. Oh, church, there's so much more that I want to expound here, but I look up and I see the time is fleeting away. We'll have to cover more of this on another day, but I, I want you to see Christ. I want you to see Christ as the supreme, all-satisfying treasure that he is. And I want you to trust, trust and know that his ways are not burdens, but blessings. They're blessings. And not just momentary blessings. But eat from the tree of life forever and ever and ever blessings. Follow me. Follow me. So how does this look for your life right now? Where are you not trusting the Lord with all of your heart? We've all got somewhere. That, that black light is a nasty thing. We've all got somewhere. Where are we not honoring him with our wealth? Are we trusting that at whatever season of discipline you may find yourself in, that it is for your good and for the glory of God? even if it makes absolutely no sense. Do you trust it? Trust Him today. Let's pray together.
Lord, I think about the old song. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Lord, let our hearts that are so broken and jaded by this fallen world help them to to continue to be and understand that we have been reconciled by, by the blood of Christ. To trust that you have created all things and are holding all things together by the word of your power. That you are a trustworthy God. Lord, help us. Convict us. Instruct us. Discipline us so we may trust you more. To trust you more. To walk by faith, trusting in you every step of the way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.